It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank buddy. you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now. That's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. All right. We're out of the gate. A little shorty today. Aviators baseball. I can tell you this. I have never followed up in my career, 26 years and counting, a minor league baseball game where a team lost 13-0. So I did. I love the Aviators. I can walk to the ballpark. I'm, we're proud partners of the Aviators. Uh, but they took it on the chin today, and I guess they gave me an hour and 10 minutes off. So we join you in progress here, which means... I got about an hour here to go. Love to hear from you in an hour before Q comes up. And let's let it fly here. Anything open. Bobby said, what do you want to talk about today? I said, let's do a grab bag. Let's do one of these Raiders shows in an hour here where we're not going to go for high, high, high hanging fruit and the low stuff. But anything you want to ask, anything can go. Anything in Raider Nation you want to hit on now. Because I got people telling me that Tom Brady's going to own the Raiders. I go, calm down. There's such things as minority owners. I got people asking me other questions about the silver and black. So let it fly today. A good caller-driven 45-minute show. Chris Powell from the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, the big wig behind the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, he's already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. I get to emcee that event June 16th. He's going to come in to talk about the new inductee, they're inducting the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the track, into the Hall of Fame. And they're hosting EDC coming up this weekend where I guess, Bobby, I think they said 500,000 people. I, I guess that's how many people. So I, I bet you, you better put that building in the Hall of Fame because we have two NASCAR races a year here. We have EDC. There's a lot going on there. So we're going to talk to uh, Chris at the bottom of the hour. That's the only interview I have scheduled and then we'll hopefully hear from you at 702-365-9200. This is the beautiful offseason of the Raiders. This is it. OTA's coming up. Training camp off in the distance. Right? The new young draft picks getting together. This is the true offseason. The, the staff, Dave Ziegler and his scouting department, work their butts off to get ready for the draft. And what I mean by that is some of the scouts who I know, I don't know a lot of them on this new regime, but some of them, they work 20 hours a week. I'm not exaggerating. Not, not 16, not 18. It's 20 hours a week to get ready for the draft. That's their job. Then the players come in and play the games, right? But the scouts and the people that do the work behind the scenes, now they get a little bit of time with their family and their kids. And then they get ready for one of the most grueling schedules in all of professional sports, the NFL schedule. You get a little bit of time off, little bit in May, a little bit in June, right? In June, you get an official break, like where they tell you to go home, take a break, and then July, you get into training camp, and then we have the preseason, and we talked about the schedule 
a little bit last week. Harry was in for me as I was back in Oklahoma with my family, but we're here now. So if you didn't get a chance to get through with me on the schedule, here's an interesting, you know, everybody's talking about the Raiders playing all these teams coming off Monday Night Football. That's a perk. That's nice. They're going to have a number of games with teams coming off a short week. But, you know, the Raiders have a lot of travel, as always. They have to play the home openers for Denver and the Buffalo Bills, which is not easy. Not easy to do. But as I've told everybody, and I, I had a chance to do it this weekend, I talked to a bunch of Raider fans this weekend, and I'm, I'm excited about the upcoming season. I think the offense has been vastly improved. I mean vastly improved. It's clearly a better offense than last year. With Michael Mayer at tight end, Jacoby Myers coming in, the additions that they made at the receiver position, they are better. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, when Jimmy Garoppolo plays, and I'm, you know we're expecting him to play, I think his ability with his overall winning percentage, the playoff games that he's won, and his efficiency in the red zone. You know, I'm, I'm, people ask me too, are you all in on Jimmy G? Yeah, I work for the team and I'm on the flagship station. What do you want me to do? Come on here every day and give doubt and mystery on Jimmy Garoppolo? If Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to play on any game, I'm going to be behind Jimmy G because I've seen him play a lot. And he's damn good. And he's young. And he can play. And he, he knows how to play this league. And he knows how to prepare. And the preparing is going to be really important because Josh McDaniels, no doubt, brought in someone he believes can prepare his system better than those of the past and what's going forward. So that's how we open it up if you want to get in. Again, anything on the Raiders is wide open today. Anything. You ask me something, I'll give you my opinion. And then you can give you your opinion. Uh, I don't think that's low-hanging fruit. I think that's good radio. Because a lot of Raider fans, I don't know what you're thinking. I, I don't read your Twitter. I don't follow you. If, you're, if you follow my Twitter, shoot me something and we'll read it at JTTheBrick, 702-365-9200. Man, did I get this Daniel Snyder thing right with the commanders. He is a dirty, filthy scoundrel. Okay, no vote on the commander sale this month, the NFL says. All part of my master plan, where I think he's going to go away from the league kicking and screaming. He is a little Napoleon, and he's going to freak out once they take his toy away, which is a $6 billion NFL franchise for the franchise that he loves since he's been a young boy. So this guy's not going away easy, and I'm telling you, he's going to play dirty. He's going to get in the mud He's got information, no doubt in my mind he has information on other people in the NFL. Could be from owners, the presidents, whatever it is. He is not done. So the owners aren't going to vote. That's a headline today during their meetings next week in Minnesota. Uh, that was announced earlier today. Dan and Tanya Schneider reached a purchase and sale agreement for the commanders with a group led by Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils co-owner co Josh Harris on Friday. The Snyders, who first announced their intention to sell in November, have agreed to sell the team for $6.05 billion. Wow. If you've ever bought in a house or multiple houses, you'd be pretty excited to know one of your neighbors sold their house for $6 billion when yours was probably worth $2 billion, maybe $3 billion a couple of years ago. It raises the tide. Now every NFL owner could actually go to another billionaire and say, look, my brand's better than the Commanders that was run through the gutter for the last 25 years by my team for $7 billion. So a new mansion has sold on Boardwalk and Park Place in the game of Monopoly. But the league staff and finance committee will continue to review the details of the transaction. They said on a conference call previewing the meetings, we will provide membership with an update in Minnesota. So there will not be a vote. 
Some owners and league sources have expressed concern over the structure of the bid, sources told the NFL. They have not relayed any concerns to the group. The source said that Harris, the new owner's group, has a net worth approximately of $100 billion, the group in general. So I don't know what the concern is. The sale would be the largest in sports history. The sale will be the largest in the history of sports. On June 7th last year, the Walton family reached agreement to buy the Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion. Okay, so how about that? How do you go from $4.65 to six? That's a big number. You didn't go up $200 million, $300 million. You're going up another billion and a half here with these numbers here. What are the Raiders going to be worth? In regards to Tom Brady, speculation on his ownership after getting involved with the Aces. Obviously, Mark and Tom talk often. They have a friendship. I don't get involved in ownership. I don't get involved in Josh Jacobs' salary. You think I'm going to get involved with Tom Brady and Mark Davis coming up with a number? There are plenty of minority owners in sports. I've traveled with them. I've broke bread with them. Some I don't know. Some could be on the sideline of a game, and I don't even know who they are. They have a baseball cap on. Who's that guy I've said over the years? Oh, that's the minority owner. Who? Yeah, I don't know who he is, but they're there, and they're there in all the sports. So the Raider fans have been triggered, almost like triggered politics. You know when you turn on cable news, everybody's freaking out. Well, Raider fans have been freaking out because of some type of connection with the Patriots, and there's been a lot of them. And if Tom Brady gets involved with ownership, and I sit down and talk about it with Mark Davis, and he briefs me with the details, which he will, then I'll bring it to everybody here on the flagship. And it'll be detailed, I'll take notes, and we'll find out all about that. In between, I don't know anything about it, nor as I don't know any of the deals specifically about the Oakland Athletics. We don't make the A's a topic on this show because they don't deserve it. They're not the flagship, but... You know, the A's changed their mind like the wind, and I'm sure a lot of people in town are not impressed with their recent decisions here. But when you're a billionaire owner, or you're not a billionaire, you're about to be a billionaire, or you're a multi-billionaire owner, you have the right to bring in minority partners to raise cash. You have the right to bring in minority partners to hear other voices. And you have the right to bring in minority partners because you can, because you still control the majority. And that's the key to what happens now in sports. The New York Giants are 50-50. I never knew why they were 50-50. The Tisch family bought in to the Mara family. The Mara family needed to raise capital. So they sold 50% to the Tisch family. And now they have to make multiple decisions in regards to two owners, even though one of the Mara sons are really the face of the franchise. Mark Davis is the face of the franchise here. He is in control of everything. So if Tom Brady's a light partner or Carlos Santana is a light partner or the president of the so-called Raider Nation, right? This president, if it's Ice Cube and he becomes a partner someday, great for everyone. It's a lot of money changing hands in the NFL. That's the key that I wanted to open up here with. Uh, In regards to what's coming up with the Raiders and some of the young players that have come in the building, from what I've heard, they're walking around just blown away. From the meal room to the weight room to the weather to the mountains to the views, Uh, A couple of people told me off the record in the building they're walking around in shock because they never saw the place. A couple of them came in for visits, but most of them didn't. They got drafted here, and they're loving it. They're going to be setting down roots here before they get an opportunity to play. So everything has been a smooth transition for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels as they try to reset this roster. Now, there was an article that came out in The Ringer. I'm going to have more time to talk about it tomorrow. 
And I know Q had the author of that Ringer article out there about is Devontae happy or not. I know a lot of people that know Devontae, that know Devontae, like know him, chefs and golf guys and all that, says he loves it out here. He loves it out here. Someone trying to stir the pot, saying that he might not like it, possibly. Again, that's something, again, I don't hang out with Devontae. I've met him once. I think Devontae Adams is probably really happy here. Now, would he like the team to be better and a perennial Super Bowl contender? Sure. Sure he would. Why? Well, I would too. <laughs> Actually, I'm invested with this team. But uh, there's a little bit of a transition going on here. And Devontae will be the lead face of the franchise. You know, often the quarterback is the face of the franchise. Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine-looking young man. The women are swooning all the way up in Summerlin about Jimmy G coming here. The face of the franchise is Devontae Adams, in my opinion, and Max Crosby. Max Crosby on defense, Devontae on offense. Jimmy G really doesn't want to get involved in that stuff. He's a really humble guy from all accounts. He doesn't want to be the guy on the you know, side of a casino and be that guy. He's not that guy. Devontae has embraced Las Vegas, and he seems to love it here. From the steakhouses to the golf courses to his beautiful family, his wife and kids, he seems to be doing really well. So if someone wants to stir the pot or take a little bit of a clip of what he said about the philosophy of the offense and what's going on, he has the right to do that. He came from playing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, everybody. Played his whole career at Lambeau Field. Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr, Brett Favre. All the things that happened there. He's used to a standard, and now the standard, as we take a look at it here, Mark Davis is trying to get the standard to where the Raiders were back in the day when they were winning championships and where Devontae wants to be with this team. So that's a topic for you as I open up the phones. I read the Ringer article. It didn't jump out at me. I could have wrote it. (laughs) I could have wrote it. The only thing I wouldn't have been able to do is get quotes from him on a couple of the quotes there because I didn't sit down. But the rest of it, all the fluff around it and Vegas and this and that and the players there, pretty basic. Pretty basic for Devontae. And I don't sense that Devontae is the type of guy who walks around and pouts. I sense that Devontae really, who does show up with a briefcase, a briefcase and his workout work is really in the pride and, and the highlight of his career now to stack these numbers and these perennial first-team All-Pros, we'd like to keep it going here down this road. So if you have any concern with Devontae Adams, let me know and I'll get you here on the radio and we'll talk about it at 702-365-9200. And they could be honest questions. You can ask me an honest question about that. I've lived here forever. I think I know the market pretty well. And I think I know the trials and tribulations of those who have failed in Vegas or succeeded here. And if you want to play gossip with Devontae, probably the only place to do it is on sports radio, right? No one's going to read your Twitter and care. But maybe people will hear your phone call and matter here. And what will it take to make Devontae happy? He was going to be double-teamed with Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, or Jimmy Garoppolo, period. He's going to be double-teamed every time. I think what should make Devontae happier now is he has the leading rusher in Josh Jacobs, completely healthy. He's got a brand-new tight end, a brand-new tight end who's a beast, who's going to demand the ball and catch the ball. As of now, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, whoever they're going to have as the speed receiver. Right, Turner? Talk, they got guys door set on the outside. So there's going to be a lot happening here. And as I try to explain this to the non-Raider fans, you know, the fans that always rip on the Raiders and think they're no good and they're going to come in last place, I say be careful what you wish for. This team's going to go four wide, maybe five wide, with Michael Mayer staying in the block. Not to run, to block. And this team is going to work on a play action. 
fake handoff to Josh Jacobs, there's going to be four or five guys in the route. Two of them are going to be wide open. They're not going to be open. They're going to be wide open. As long as Jimmy G is not facing a rush that is so fierce that they're throwing around our Raider offensive linemen like they're ragdolls, he should have enough time to get the ball out quickly. You know, for years, I was the only one on Raiders radio this long that had to deal with the conversation about Derek Carr checking down. Usually when Derek Carr checked down, it was a bad thing. Now, many times Derek had games where he had, you know, 24 completions. And I would host the postgame show, and I'd be like, well, 12 of them were checkdowns. But I didn't care because they pick up a first down or not. The problem with Derek is often he checked down for the wrong reason. He did not let the play develop deep downfield. Now, there was Derek pre-injury and then Derek post-injury. Post-injury, Derek didn't want to stick around in the pocket as long. I don't know what an injury like that feels like, but when you break your leg, your ankle, it's probably pretty traumatic. And Jimmy Garoppolo's been injured a bunch, too. But what I like what Jimmy G does better than Derek, a lot better, is the way that he uses his hips and his pump fakes and he turns his body and gets the defense to move. And getting back to Devontae, I think that's going to be a benefit to Devontae Adams. I've said it on record. I think that Derek Carr throws a better deep ball than Jimmy Garoppolo. I do. You know, if they both had to step up into a clean pocket and throw it, I'd take Derek over Jimmy G. But if I'm inside the 10, 12-yard line, what's called the red zone, and needed one play to get in the end zone, I'd go with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see who's right, who's wrong. we got to wait to see how this plays out. 702-365-9200. All right, let me move on to the NBA where I haven't been able to talk much. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm spreading this show out with tomorrow's show because we got a two-hour show tomorrow, and I want to get to that too. John Morant is now in a really bad place from the Memphis Grizzlies because he was caught, again, on a live stream brandishing a gun. This is a topic that I've talked about a lot. I, a lot. I did a podcast on it earlier today, so I'm all prepped up. It's a privilege to play in this league. It's not a congressional right. You don't have the right to play in the NBA. Everybody can keep you out of the NBA. You don't get drafted. No one hires you. You don't play, and they can kick you out whenever the hell they want. They won't kick you out of the league unless you're a really bad player and you can't score and defend and compete, or they won't kick you out if you're a good model citizen. You can go to the end of the bench and be the 11th, 12th player. Have you checked out this guy, Udonis Haslam and Andre Igudala? The last five years, they never come in the game, but they get a big salary and they sit at the end of the bench and they never play because they're good guys. They're good teammates. They're great in practice. They're great on the road. John Morant isn't that guy. John Morant is fascinated by street life and gangbanging. He's not a gangbanger, but he's fascinated by it. He likes to pretend he's a gangbanger. I use the word thug all the time. He's pretending that he's a thug. And a thug has nothing to do, 0% with race. Anybody can be a thug, any race, any creed. He's a thug because he gravitates to that type of behavior because it's exciting to him. That's the word I came up with. It excites him to be this guy with the gun and the chains and being in a strip club with a gun or being in a car with all of his loser buddies. For some reason, he gravitates to that. And a lot of kids do, white, black, brown in this country, they do. Because they see it in the movies, they listen to it in music, and they want to gravitate to that. So now the league has to make a big decision on what they're going to do with them. How many days should they suspend them? So I said on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM, and I'll tell you what I said, I think they should suspend him until the All-Star break. 
Because the All-Star break is the biggest party that the NBA has all year, and he shouldn't be invited to that party. Not only as a player, but he should not be able to be involved with the league until after the All-Star break. Now, there are a lot of other people listening who say, well, wait a second, JT. Well, I'm a gun owner. If I flash my gun, I wouldn't lose your job, my job. I, I would push back on that. I go, yeah, you probably would lose your gun. I'm sitting here in studio with Bobby. If I was live streaming now and I was showing a gun on the live stream like Damon Arnett did, I would be fired and I'd be removed from the studio during the show. That's exactly what's happening to John Morant. He's going to lose his privilege to play in the NBA. So if you haven't talked about this on another radio show, and it is a gun conversation. I try to keep the politics out of it. But for the knuckleheads who say, well, he didn't shoot the gun. He didn't break into a liquor store. He didn't hold anybody up. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the ability or inability of him to keep his job. That's it. Does he have the right to keep his job? Yeah, if they want to suspend him another eight games and give him a slap on the wrist, he can handle that. If they want to kick him out for a year or half a year, they have the right to do that. So John Morant is throwing his life away. The only thing worse than this would be losing your life. Throwing your life away and staying alive is pretty bad. Throwing your life away and ending up dying because you're hanging out with people with guns who are badasses, a lot of people fall that way. And a lot of the frauds who hang out with that group are the first to go. So that's my update with John Moran. I'll talk more about that tomorrow here. It's the biggest topic I've been talking about all week. We've been off the air this week with the aviators. I've been on the radio at night, and it's been a really big phone topic because a lot of people have had good points about their job, your job, compared to an NBA player and what you're able to do. If you're a rapper, if you're a movie star, if you're a rock star, if you're a rock star, you can get on your private jet as a rock star and take out your gun. You're not going to lose the next concert. They're not going to cancel the concert. In the NBA, they're going to cancel you because they want to keep their image going. The NBA doesn't want to have an image of thuggery and guns in society today. 702-365-9200. I think the Lakers are in big trouble. Just my opinion. The Lakers aren't as good as Denver. They never were. Before the start of the year, I picked the Celtics over Denver in the NBA Finals. I actually like Denver now. The Celtics look really haggard, tired, and not focused. I don't know what game the Celtics are going to show up. They didn't show up in their last. Fourth quarter, Jason Jason Tatum didn't have a field goal. Al Harford was one of five from three with no free throw attempts. Who the hell's coaching that team? Missoula, the new coach, didn't even know how to call timeout. They were getting boat racing and called timeout. So they look like a mess. And I, I think the Lakers can make the series competitive with Denver. My only point is I just think that Denver is a better team. And I know, I'm known to be right on that because they're the number one seed and the Lakers were the seven seed. Doesn't take a brain surgeon to do the math there. So for the Lakers, if they lose game two to Denver, if they lose this game coming up, the series is over because they're not going to win four out of five. You got to win four out of five after that. Okay, this isn't the best of 13, it's the best of seven, and there's only going to be five games left, and I don't think they're going to be able to go out and win four out of five. So if the Lakers want to stay alive, tonight they have to beat the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Lakers can win this game. This is the game that they should be able to win if they're going to win this. And for Jimmy Butler and the way he's playing, God, he's great. He's not good, he's great. Another player my Knicks could never get. He plays in Chicago, Minnesota, the Heat. You know, he's played for the, the Sixers. He doesn't play for my Knicks. We can't get that guy. But he's unbelievable to watch. So it's Lakers Nuggets tonight. Finally, I saved the best for last. Who on this planet, who in this city, in this valley, 
has talked more Golden Knights than I on the radio. That would be nobody. Nobody. Other than Ryan, the hockey guy, who has a really good pre- and post-game and show on that. That's what he does. But I do general sports talk. And I've been telling you how important it is for the Vegas Golden Knights. They play Friday and Sunday. I'm going on Sunday. They're playing Friday. They got to win a game. Okay, I'm not going to say they're going to win the first two. Dallas is really good. Peter DeBoer is our old coach. He knows them inside and out. It's going to be a tough series. I think Vegas is the better team. It might take them seven games. That's why that seventh game is really important. Uh, We'll give you information tomorrow on some of the watch parties and what's going to be happening here in town as we keep rolling, and I'm excited about that. Actually, I'm getting out of town tomorrow to drive to Laughlin to see Journey, thanks to our proud partner, Golden Entertainment, the Laughlin Event Center, in their portfolio of all their properties, including the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, 64-plus taverns. So wife and I and one of my best friends are going to drive on out to Laughlin, get some sun, love Journey. Don't, don't knock Journey with Steve Perry. He can't sing anymore. He can't. He can't even sing a note. Destroyed his voice. They got little Arnell running around. He does a fine job. He puts on a hell of a show. Jonathan Kane and Neil Sean don't talk to each other. How cool is that? Two rock stars in the same band. They don't talk to each other. They need to be separated. They don't even look at each other. So you got a little strife in the band, which makes for a good concert. Then Saturday, I'll be at the fight. Lomachenko Haney, I'm going to the fight on Saturday. And then Sunday, going to Game 2, Vegas Golden Knights. How about that weekend? And it begins right now as we open it up. Brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. I'm confident. Uh, I also know that it's a very tough road. And you never want to, uh, you know, go into it that you know set expectations too high you want to go in and know that you're going to work hard enjoy the process and I truly believe that that's what gets you to February at the end of the year if you you know try to skip through the process and take shortcuts you're going you're not making the playoffs that's just the reality of this league and I'm a firm believer in that so I think uh we put in the work do all the things the right way and get the right people in here that's a good start Jimmy G, our conversation with him, and as we get closer to OTAs and training camp, the preseason and all that, hopefully we get him on a bunch here. Hope everyone had a good weekend, big weekend coming up here in Vegas. Vegas, the entertainment and sports capital of the world, and here's a guy who played a big part in it, already inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Wow, it's been a decade ago in 2013, and now we're going to induct the Las Vegas Motor Speedway Chris Powell, kind enough to join us, the president and general manager of Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Chris, good to talk to you again. How you been, my friend? I'm doing good, JTV Brick. It's good to talk to you today. A beautiful day out here at Speedway as we get ready for the Electric Daisy Carnival. <laughs> has nothing to do with motorsports, but everything to do with bringing in tremendous commerce in our great city. And uh, should be a big weekend out here at the Speedway. And we are uh, thrilled about this announcement that we that our speedway is being inducted into the sport, Southern Nevada Sports Hall. It's quite an honor, and uh, we're all very proud. You know, Chris. Before we get to it, I've been on uh, panels and I've seen you, and I've emceed events that you've been at, and you have always been one of the leaders in this community talking about commerce and building and construction and what you've been able to see with the speedway and now with the Raiders and the Golden Knights and what's happening here. Why is that? What was the part of your youth when you saw the business side of sports where you agreed the more the merrier and everybody should work together? 
Well, JT, in a previous life, I was a PR guy, and I went to a lot of events. I went to a lot of PGA Tour events, a lot of senior PGA Tour events, and a lot of NASCAR races. And uh, it was just so apparent to me, each stop I made, how much sports brings to a community. And so I was fortunate enough to get the job to come out here and run Las Vegas Motor Speedway and work around a bunch of great employees. I thought it was important, and I still believe it's important for us to, to understand our place in the community. And and because of that experience that I had for, for several years uh, prior to coming to Las Vegas, I just knew what this speedway could mean to our great city. Obviously, we've got so many things to lean on, whether it's the resort corridor in downtown, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And now you've got T-Mobile and you've got the Raiders Stadium. And obviously the A's are on the doorstep of coming here. And uh, it's important for a sports entity to take a lot of pride in its community, I believe. And and that's what we've tried to do here at the Speedway. And and I hope that this Hall of Fame induction is indicative of that because uh, we do take a lot of pride in being from Las Vegas. Let's talk about the Electric Daisy Carnival and the, the amount of money that comes in and the amount of patrons that come through the door and are entertained here because it is a massive event. And as long as I've been here and this debuted, it gets bigger and bigger every year. And there's been issues in the past how to get everybody out there. I see helicopters going out there and limos and buses. It seems like everybody has it down now, not to a science because there's so many people that you have to move. Why was the Speedway the ultimate choice considering there's a lot of other you know, convention ground, there's a lot of other outdoor spots to do this. Why does it work so well here? Well, primarily because there are not many places on this planet where you can put 185,000 <laughs> people a night for three nights and, and, and move them in and out, you know, as well as you can possibly move in 185,000 people in a, in a given night. I, you know, back uh, in 2009 and 10, the Electric Daisy Carnival existed in Los Angeles. And they had all kinds of issues over there, and they, they, they conducted the event at the Coliseum, you know, the football stadium over there. And uh, they just had a lot of issues, and they didn't have near the room that we've ha- we have. We've got about 1,000 acres out here at the Speedway. One of our most enterprising salespeople, Aaron Crowley, was aware of the issues that were going on in L.A., and he suggested to Pasquale Rotella and, and the people that, that oversee EDC that if they give the Speedway over here in Las Vegas a look, they might like what they see as far as moving EDC here. And I'll, I'll never forget the first year, 2011, was the first year we had EDC here mm-hmm. at the Speedway. And in the week leading up to it, I had all the media calling me up and, and coming out and doing interviews and saying, why, why do you want this event? Why, why are you bringing it here? Don't you realize the problems they've had in L.A. and all the people they've transported to the hospital during the event when they get overheated? And those kinds of things. And because uh, our people and working with Pasquale and everyone at Insomniac, we were able to construct what is in effect a, a, a care center for hundreds of people. If they happen to have too much fun, get a little overheated, then we can take care of them right here on the property without having to, mm-hmm. to transport them to a hospital. They were transporting three and 400 kids a night to the hospital in in L.A. Now, over here in Los number one, they've got more room to, to, to maneuver. Mm-hmm. And number two, we set up something for those who do get overheated. And, and it's no secret. You know, these, these kids are having a lot of fun. Uh, they might be taking some of the, some of the, 
the the uh, ecstasy and some of those things that that cause the the the, uh, the body temperature to increase. And so and so we we can treat them right here on the, on the speedway grounds without having to transport them and overburden uh, UMC and any of the other hospitals Got in town. Now, the, the, those who promote this event do everything they can to keep any kind of illicit drugs off the property. They, you wouldn't believe the, the, the links they go to, mm-hmm. but some of them have been overserved before they ever arrive, some of the kids and uh, the attendees. And so it, it's just a really concerted effort to do everything we can to keep people safe. And so far, after, what, 12 years now, we've been able to do it very, very well. Yeah. I go back to 2011, that first year, however, when all those media people said, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do this? And then we it went off without a hitch in 2011, the first weekend we ever had EDC here. And on Monday, those same media people called me up, came out, did interviews, and say, and, and their question had changed. Instead of, why are you having it here? It was, can we get it back next year? Right. Because it was so successful. It does do so much for our community. And, you know, we, we put a lot of heads on pillows down on the Strip and downtown and throughout the city, really. And uh, this place is a buzz right now. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, can you imagine there's even traffic coming in on Thursday now because we do have a lot of campers and a lot of RVs, a lot of tents on the property. So it's going to be a great and safe weekend, I feel certain, and I always knock on wood when I say that. Uh, but it does a lot for our community, and it, mm-hmm. and it do, we, we do it in such a way that, that everybody remains safe and, and okay. uh, has a good time. Chris Powell's our guest as we wrap it up. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway gets inducted. Chris is representing them. Obviously the right guy to do it here on the radio today. And, Chris, the piece of dirt, you know, I always ask, why was it put there? What's the backstory when you look at that 1,000 acres or more this close to the strip and pulling off now two races a year. One's a playoff race. You know, some some cities can't do anything close to this. What was the story behind brokering the dirt and, and picking that spot there? Is there a big story behind that? Because I'm sure looking back on that, there's a lot of other places around town that would have loved to have entertained a deal like that. Right. I give a lot of credit or so much credit to Richie Klein, mm-hmm. who had this idea of building the Speedway, and he, and he you know, had a Las Vegas uh, speed park out here, what is now the Bullring, and he saw an opportunity to acquire some land with the help of of those who had the money, and that, in this case, Bill Bennett of the Sahara Hotel mm-hmm. and uh, Ralph Engelstad from then Imperial Palace, and they funded the money to Richie. Richie did a tremendous job of, of getting this facility built. Richie was inducted in the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, very deserving, uh, because if it, if Richie had not had this vision, then we wouldn't be here. And, we, and EDC and all these multi-thousands of people that come to our events throughout the year, and we have somewhere around 1,500 event days a year on our property here. So Richie, Richie had that vision, and then once he got it built, he knew that he was not an expert in running racetracks and owning racetracks, so he sold to my boss, Bruton Smith, the late Bruton Smith now, mm-hmm. and uh, and Bruton uh, and Richie agreed that that Richie had 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 built the cake, had designed the cake and built the cake. Now it was Bruton's to to put the icing on it. And now with the vision of Bruton and and his son Marcus, uh, we've been able to make a lot of inroads in this community and put on a lot of events, not just NASCAR, not just NHRA, and not just EDC, but 
events that affect so many families, mm-hmm. events that affect so many corporations that come in from all over the world uh, to have conferences and trade shows and, and, and mega events here on the Speedway that a lot of times never even get into the media. So I give so much credit to Richie and uh, Mr. Bennett and Mr. Engelstad, both of whom have, have passed away. Um, I give a lot of credit to Bruton Smith and, and his son Marcus, who continued, and Marcus continues to make sure that uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway takes a back seat to no motorsports facility when it comes to being first class. And I also give a lot of thanks to lo- a lot of locals, guys like Rossi Runcotter, who used to be with the LVCVA, mm-hmm. Michael Gone, uh, who owns the South Point Hotel, who's uh, he and his family have been very active out here. Uh, Craig Q of uh, Star Nursery is just a great friend of the Speedway. So we've we've been very fortunate in this community to be able to put on a lot of great events with a lot of help, a lot of hard work by our employees who continue to make sure that our events are first class. And uh, I'm just so indebted to them. And it's not it's not me, it's not I, who mm-hmm. who deserves this credit for our being inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, but rather I give the credit to the hardworking employees of this Speedway who come to work every day to try to put on first-class events to make a lot of people happy. Chris, pleasure talking to you. I'll see you out there. I'm happy to be a part of the MC team for it, and uh, we'll have a great night, and we'll celebrate it at the after party and have a great evening, and it wouldn't be the same without you and all of your great leadership, the staff out there, everyone behind the scenes, and I'm proud to be a part of it this year. So thank you so much for joining us on the radio. Thank you so much, JT. Thank you for having me, and thank you for what you do to promote sports here in our community. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, everybody. That's Chris Powell. He's a big, big deal in this town. Big deal when it comes to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, I did not think, Bobby, that I'd be getting into a discussion on the EDC at that length. You know, I got a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old son, and uh, they don't roll out to the EDC as much there, but as he talked about uh, some of the you know, entertainment issues out there and kids coming out there and being overserved and what they're going to do, this or that. Look, these events are going to go on. And he understands the safety issue, overheating uh, kids, what they could be doing while they're out there. There's a lot of people behind the scenes going to take care of a lot of kids. Parents are going to let their kids go to EDC and hope that they're in a safe place. They're trying to make it as safe as possible. The traffic is incredible, but I know they've done a better job of it over the years. And that's important because whenever I go out, and I try to go to two races a year. Last year I had a conflict, a playoff race this year. If it doesn't connect with the Raider game, I'll be out there. Getting out there is always fun. Because whenever I go out to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the service is unbelievable. You walk through any game. You know, a lot of times you go to an arena or you go somewhere out of town. You go to someone, hey, how do I get to the, where do I go to pick up my credential? I don't know. Hey, where do I go my section? I don't know. You go out to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. There are people coming up to you. Can we help you? Can you do that? I love it. I love going to NASCAR out there. Everybody who's in town for EDC. How is anybody getting a hotel room this weekend? Everybody, back in the day, I had my buddy Lou Payone. I'd call him. Hey, Lou. Hey, Lou. You got a hookup? What do you need? I need need a suite at the uh, Mandalay Bay. No problem. How much do I owe you? Uh, Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, comps. You can stay anywhere you want on the strip. Now people call me every day. JT. Can I have your Raider tickets for the Jets? No, you may not. JT, can I have your Raider tickets for Green Bay? No, you may not. Hey, can you get me a hotel room? No, I can't. I can help you, maybe steer you in the right direction. You got Golden Knights. You got a major championship fight at the MGM Grand. And EDC, Bobby, Mm -hmm. every hotel room's got to be sold. 
Probably. I would yeah. well imagine. But right. you got to remember, these are kids. They don't necessarily need their own room. <laughs> you, get, right. you get one kid that's got a room and you pile 16 people in there, you're good to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was that kid. Whenever I had yeah, an opportunity, I whenever I had the opportunity to take my friends anywhere with me, if I had a room, that was comp. It was whoever can get here, you're in the room. You know, I get the bed, but uh, the room is open. The air mattresses bring them in EDC this weekend because of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and they will get inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. That's at the Dollar Loan Center. We'll be promoting it all month. Uh, part of my deal as the MC is we get exclusive interviews with all the people getting in before everybody, and then we put them up on their website, and we continue to knock them out, and really happy to be a part of that. So that's what we wanted to do today, talk to Chris Powell. We probably wouldn't have been here with the aviators on, so we had a chance to knock out a quick hour here, and I got some time. I got some time to get you up here, 702-365-9200. We are brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. There's so many attorneys trying to get to me. I say, whoa, I got the guys. I got Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde. If you get into an accident, those are my guys. They'll take care of you because of the legacy of their great father in the state of Nevada, their team, their staff, their clerks, their young lawyers who have been down the road to help you if you get into an accident, 702-222-9999, the DeCastaverde Law Group. Over to the far boards with five seconds. Colasar is there to kill the clock. The game is over. The series is over. Knights advance to the Western Conference Final. Dispatch the Oilers in six games. Final score, Vegas 5, Edmonton 2. All right, haven't heard this in a while. Bobby's back. I'm back. We're out of here at the top of the hour. Just saw Q. Q's in the building today. He'll come up next. And we'll get you ready for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a great show. We're brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. I put out a nice tweet in the parking lot at Oklahoma before my son's graduation. They were tailgating. Uh, these grown men, grown young men were drinking Modelo's. I, I could tell you why they were drinking Modelo's because they know uh, that's what I drink. And that was on a Friday and a Saturday. So my bucket of Modelo's last week at my son's graduation. And then my dad was in the pool yesterday. My mom and dad flew out this morning. So they're flying from... Uh, here back to New York where they'll spend the summer in New York, and they had a great time. We went to the Bellagio yesterday. I took them around what would be the racetrack. That's what I want to share with you, Bobby. Went to the Bellagio to see the flowers. Mom loves that. Dad actually loves that, too. Took some pictures at the conservatory. If you haven't been to the Bellagio to see the new flowers set up there, it was the first time that it was overwhelming. The scent was so great when you walked in. It's really fabulous what they do in that building. So then we came out of there, free parking for three hours with the Nevada driver's license. We pulled onto the strip, yellow cones, orange cones, or orange cones. Then we made the left on Harmon, and I was explaining to my dad, who has no idea what F1 is. And I was telling him, this is the F1 track. And then we made the left, and we saw the paddock, which is right across from Top Golf, where F1's building that global headquarters for American F1. And then we went around the sphere. And when we were going around the sphere, I was able to pull over so my dad could take a picture of that. What a beautiful, it looks like the eighth wonder of the world. And then we went back on the strip, went past our proud partner, Resorts World, on the left. And then I drove them through the Arts District. We stopped at a brew pub that was out there. They're not advertising with us, so I'll keep it here. And we had a, a beverage, my dad and I, at the brew pub there. And then we went home. 
And there were a lot of orange cones, man, in this city. I, I know the strip, and I'm all for tearing it up for F1. It's part of doing business. Man, there were orange cones everywhere yesterday. But a good time. Weather was good. We had Grimaldi's one night for takeout, which was another plug for one of our great, great, great times. And then, hey, I will give a plug out here. We went to Capos for dinner last night. If you haven't been to Capos, Capos is really, really good and really aggressive, old-school Italian. Pitch black. My mom walked in. She couldn't see. I said, Mom, just hold my hand. We got a booth. We had an amazing Italian meal, like chicken parmesan all over the table, meatballs and all that. So my mom went back loving that. And uh, I'm going to miss my parents. They were out here for a week, and we had a pretty good time. So rest of the week tomorrow, we got a good show lined up here. I'm trying to figure out the guests, but we'll preview the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 1 here of the Western Conference Finals, which I predicted they would get to this year. Now, last year I predicted they'd make the playoffs, and they didn't. But now they got to do it. If they win eight more hockey games, they win the Stanley Cup. Just eight. We know how good this team is. Literally everybody on the team is starting to pop and come together and play well. And we got three goalies, and we've been calling on two of them to play now, which I'm excited about. So I love what's going on there. I think this team should win the Cup. They should. I'd be really disappointed now. This would be a tease if the Golden Knights don't win the Cup. With Carolina, Florida left, there's no Boston Bruins. One of those teams are going to come out. I think it'll be Florida. Florida's been the better team. If we, we, I'm a fan, get by, and we can get by this team and get to the Stanley Cup final, just incredible. And it'll be hot. It'll be sticky hot. They'll have to keep that ice cold. And it's going to be amazing that the whole world will come down and see Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. But I got a lot of respect for Peter DeBoer, who we had on this show a couple of times when he was the head coach. He has got a vindictive edge to him to want to win. The team that fired him, if he can knock him out, That'd be big. Dallas is going to be skating fast and hard. But Vegas just got by Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. They have to use that as a springboard to be ready. I'm always concerned, Bobby, and you, you, you do the games. You broadcast the games. Game one always concerns me. All the times I go there and they're flat in the first period, mm-hmm. we can't see that again. they got to come out like they're shot out of a cannon. they got to be ready to go. Absolutely. They do the same thing the Celtics do. They just yeah, they, they, do. they get a good lead, and then they just play prevent defense the rest of the game. Yeah, they have to be great. They have to be great. When you get this far in hockey, you can't be good. You have to be great. And they're a great team. I think they're an excellent franchise. Mr. Foley's got this team on the precipice of getting back to another Stanley Cup final and hopefully winning. Again, thanks to Bobby who came in. Thanks to Chris Powell and the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. We're in here again tomorrow on Friday. Then I'm heading out to Laughlin. Going to go see Journey play out there. Looking forward to that. Hopefully a nice outdoor outdoor venue. Great weather. Looking forward to just a good night. Maybe get in the, <laughs> get in the river, get in the pool, whatever it takes. I'm excited. The weekend's going to be unbelievable. Hopefully we get Kevin Ioli or Schmitty on tomorrow. Bobby, remind me, we want a boxing insider tomorrow as we continue on. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for giving us an hour of your time. You know how much I appreciate you listening. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Have a great rest of your day.